Greetings family in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This morning I just want to welcome you to our celebration Sunday morning service. This morning we thank God for this great opportunity and privilege once more to share the word of God because this is a time that we need to stay and remain in the word at all times. We need to have our hearts and our minds set upon the Lord because the Bible promises us those who have their minds set upon the Lord shall have perfect peace. This is a great time right now for us to have our minds and everything set upon the Lord so that we can have peace of mind and peace. We write, we know right now that there are many attacks of the enemy launched in a time where the enemy is trying to instill fear, trying to instill many things into the hearts and lives of people so that people can be struck by fear and fear is causing sicknesses and deaths to increase. But we thank God that we are man and woman of faith and that we will continue to walk in faith. We do not walk by sight, but we walk by faith. I thank God this morning as we're going to continue with the study of the book of John, as we're expounding on this book and we're believing God for great things in the word of God and believing that God is going to manifest himself in a greater way. And this morning, as we're going to dig into the scriptures again, we're going to start at John chapter 1 verse 29 and we're going to read to verse 20 to 34. John chapter 1, 29 to verse 34. Glory be to God. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on, on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testifying, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. We thank God this morning for our scripture reading. And as we're going to expound this morning on the scripture and I'm going to title my message this morning, Behold the Lamb of God. While John was saying, See, here is the Lamb of God. So we're going to look at three things this morning and we're going to look into the Word of God and and and, and look into three um, things that this few scriptures brings out to us. The first thing is the Lamb of God. We're going to look at the purpose of baptism and we're going to look at the sign. Now we know that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The Bible says on the next day, this is day two since the time that John the Baptist is now on the scene. He has introduced himself, he had a confrontation with the Pharisees, with the with the priests and the Levites that were sent by the Pharisees. And this is now day two. This is day two of a seven day before till the wedding of Cana of Galilee. And this is an, a seven-day period where, where certain events takes place. Now, we know that the Bible, the book of John starts in the beginning, like the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, that says in the beginning. In the beginning was the beginning of the creation of the world. So in this beginning is the beginning of the new creation and the new life that is in Christ. 
And so we, we're going to look into this. And so when John begins to introduce and begins to testify, we find a series of testimonies and witnesses about Jesus Christ. And in the book of John chapter 1, we find different titles that has been given to Jesus in testimony. Some of them is Rabbi, Messiah, Son of God, King of Israel, Son of Man, Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God. We begin to then see that in this introduction, John now begins to mention something and begins to say, see the Lamb of God, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now we understand that John was not speaking here that Jesus has come to take away the acts of sin, but Jesus came to deal with sin right at its root. And so we see that the, the, the sin of the world is the sin of everybody. And so we understand and we begin to break down this into more a detailed understanding of what actually happened. So the Jewish people were used to this type of, they understood the type of language that John was using. But now those disciples were there succeeded to John and we will see in the next way how this first this disciple started following Jesus in our next teaching. So he says the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Now we understand that in the Hebrew kabes means a male lamb from the first to the third year. This was the lamb that was used for offerings. This was the lamb that was used for offerings. What type of offerings were done in the Old Testament? They offered a daily sacrifice at morning and evening. They offered a sacrifice on the Sabbath. They, they offered sacrifices at the feast of the new moon, the trumpets, the tabernacles, on the day of Pentecost, Passover, and on many other occasions. And they had this occasion also, which was called the day of atonement, which is at one month, the day of atonement, when only the high priest would go once a year into the Holy of Holies on behalf of the nation of Israel. And he would then a sacrifice would be made and they would then take the blood, sprinkle it upon the temple or upon the Ark of the Covenant. And it would be then like a, it would be like um, the covering of the sins of the people for that year for what they have done. But we know that that could not take away sin. That was only a covering for sin. And what was this, what happened in this when John said this, it was something that struck to the hearts of the Jewish people. Because John was now saying, here is the lamb that's going to take away the sin of the world. So they were used to that. Uh, their sins were dealt with because they were Jews and they could offer up to God and they could do offerings. But now John is saying the sin of the world is going to be dealt with. This lamb is going to be different from the other lambs. And we're going to see more as we begin to study and look into this and just understand what was brought out in this whole introduction of John. So Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God, which is a symbol which points to Christ being a perfect sacrifice for sin. It also conveys his meekness and his willingness to submit to suffering and to death. This time he called Jesus the Lamb of God and he would repeat this title again in the following day, which would be then day three. So he would repeat the same title again, the Lamb of of God. Hallelujah. So he then sums up this title of Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And this is something that Abraham said in the book of Genesis 22 verse 7, when he and his son Isaac were on his way and God told Abraham to offer up Isaac. And when Isaac requested or um, required of his father, where's the lamb that is good that we're going to offer? Then Abraham said, God will provide the lamb. And we see this, that Abraham went to the very same mountain that Jesus was going to be crucified upon 
or on maybe 2,000, 3,000 years later, Abraham went to Mount Moriah, which was the place where Jesus was also crucified, where he took his son Isaac, and God provided a ram caught in the tickets, as we know the story. So we then begin to understand that the lamb that God, this lamb was provided by God and not by man. Hallelujah. This lamb was provided by God and not by man we see that in the emphasis on the gospel we understand that they continuously use the first time that actually john brings us out and he says behold the lamb of god is the first person to mention it in this way and in this in this light hallelujah so we understand that that that, that even in the book of revelations 5 and verse 12 they begin to sing the song, Worthy is the Lamb, hallelujah, that taketh away the sins of the world. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. So the concept of sacrificial lamb was a familiar one to the Jewish people. As I said, it was familiar. They understood it. They understood this whole concept because throughout their history, they would make offerings and sacrifices yearly and for the different events as I just mentioned. Hallelujah. So they understood this whole concept. But they understood also that, they, that this blood could not remove their sins hallelujah it could not remove their sins it can only it would only cover their sins and therefore they still struggled with guilt and all of that but we know that this lamb that can remove our sins came to deal with sin and came to deal with the guilt of sin and that's great for us hallelujah because guilt weighs many people down and therefore many people stay stuck or stay in that place of sin stay in that place of defeat but jesus came and he dealt not only with sin but he came to deal deal with the guilt of sin too therefore the bible says if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us of all sin and all unrighteousness hallelujah so we understand that those people as i said earlier they brought lambs they brought their lambs as offerings they brought it as offerings hallelujah but here we understand that god now brought his lamb he brought his lamb those lambs could not take away sin but the lamb of god has come to take away sin that is a moment of celebration our sin has been removed therefore the psalmist says hallelujah he has taken our sin and has cast it as far as the east is from the west he has removed it from us that is a glorious statement hallelujah our sin no longer exists we are no longer whatever sin we have done and we have come to repentance and we have asked god for forgiveness and we believe in our hearts our sins are then removed hallelujah those lambs were for israel alone but the lamb that god would bring would shed his blood for the whole world no forgiveness of sin could be granted by god apart from an acceptable substitute dying as a sacrifice Hallelujah, an acceptable substitute. Now we understand when we study the, the Bible and we understand it, the sacrificial system, there had to be certain things that needed to be put in place. The lamb needed to be inspected, there had to be no defects, there had to be nothing in that lamb, or else that lamb would not be would not be would not qualify for the substitute, would not be would not be um the substitute or the sacrifice would not be accepted. So when John said, Behold the Lamb of God, he was he now had an understanding that this truly is the one this truly is the one we see this further in the book of john chapter 1 verse 34 he says this is the chosen one this is the son of god this is the one so through to careful observation and through revelation of the spirit john knew that this is the one this is the one this is the lamb this is the lamb of god this is the one so we begin to see john just 
amazed because he, is in, he does this introduction with faith and with confidence that Jesus is truly the one. Jesus is truly the lamb. Hallelujah. Those, those lambs from Israel alone would shed the blood only for or would only then deal with Israel's sin. It's like repetitively saying because I want us to understand that the Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world dealt with the sin of every Jew, Gentile and sinner. Every single sin of ours has been dealt with. We are, all that we need to do is come by faith to God, believing that what has happened for us and our sins are washed away. Now remember, Jesus already done, dealt with the sin. All that we need to do is believe. But the Bible teaches us, if we do not believe in John chapter 3, as we will go on later, the Bible teaches us that if we do not believe and receive the, 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 what Jesus has done for us, the wrath of that sin remains upon us. That wrath of that sin remains upon us. So Jesus has made a way, the Lamb of God, God has provided the Lamb, the Lamb is without defects, and God has made sure that everything is done accordingly. So when we look into the Word of God, people, we need to understand that we are washed with the blood, we are cleansed, we are whole. The Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world, and if you if you need Jesus in your life, Jesus will come, and if you accept Him, and you believe in your heart what He has done, it's not all about just confessing the sinner's pray but it's all about faith in the heart that will cause you now to move into this new creation lifestyle and be totally regenerated and totally a new person in Christ Jesus as the Bible says a new creation in Christ hallelujah so so they knew about Abraham too because they were studies of the word so they knew about Abraham and they knew about Abraham's confidence that God will provide a lamb. Hallelujah. And therefore, he offered in the place of Isaac. A lamb was sacrificed, as I said earlier, on, on Passover, in the daily sacrifices of the tabernacle and many other ways. There were lambs offered up unto, unto the Lord. So we understand that God also made it clear that none of those sacrifices were sufficient to take away the sins. Let's read this. Isaiah 1 verse 11. So none of those past sacrifices were sufficient because they had to come year in, year out on the Day of Atonement for their sin to, to offer up these sacrifices for their sin. But Jesus came and dealt with sin once and for all. What are your multitude of sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of your burnt offerings, of your rams and the fat of, of fed cattle. And I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goat so they came in um, they came on many sacrifices but these sacrifices could just never bring satisfaction to god these sacrifices could just never bring the solution to their problem they were they were stuck they were caught out they were caught up in these sacrifices but these sacrifices did not help these sacrifices did not deal with sin in the way that it's supposed to have been dealt with and so here we see god now sends his lamb to to to, to be offered up on the cross of calvary to die for our sins and because of this now we now can enjoy the blessings of eternal life hallelujah we can now enjoy this blessing of eternal life because our sins has been removed hallelujah it has been removed 
So they were also aware that Isaiah's prophecy likened Messiah to a lamb that is led to a slaughter. So they had this Isaiah 53 and through the whole Isaiah 53 and verse 7. And we see that even in the book of Acts, we see Acts 8 verse 32. And we see Peter also write about the precious blood of Jesus Christ that came to take away sin. And though Israel sought a Messiah who would be a prophet, king and conqueror, God had to send them a lamb and he did. So they sought something, but God sent them a lamb. The title, the title lamb of God foreshadows Jesus' ultimate sacrifice on the cross for the sin of the world. Hallelujah. With this brief statement, the prophet John made it clear that, that the Messiah had come to deal with sin. He came to deal with sin, not the acts of sin. Therefore, he uses the, uses the singular and not the plural. We see the singular word which is, which is sins. We came to do, deal with sin in itself. Sin in itself. Sin as a whole. Came to deal with sin. Hallelujah. So here we see that, that yearly they were dealing with the acts of sin. Acts of sin were, were covered, but they still struggled with guilt. I don't know, if you have never experienced guilt for something wrong that you have done, then you don't understand the, 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 the weight of guilt. Some people has committed suicide. Some people has taken their lives. Some people has never returned back to the Lord because of the guilt. They don't understand that when sin was dealt with, Jesus also dealt with the guilt. And we need to understand that guilt can destroy people. Guilt can weigh you down. And you need to come out of that place after you have repented Truly to God. Now, when I speak about repentance, I'm not speaking about this, this repentance that we just do anyhow. David was a man after the heart of God because David, David was a, he, he, he repented in sincerity. He was sincere in his repentance. And we need to become sincere in our repentance. Our hearts need to really be connected. And I believe that sincerity in repentance only comes when you have a true revelation of God and who he is. And I pray that each and every one of us today will have this revelation of who Jesus is. Hallelujah. The Old Testament is filled with the reality that the problem is sin and it is at the very heart of every person. We see this. We see this. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah 17 verse 9. We read this. I, I, I'm building because I want you just to understand today what God wants to bring in and through your life. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. Deceitful is the heart above all things. Hallelujah. But let I read it in context. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately who can understand it? So sin is at the heart of every single individual. All men, even those who receive the revelation of God in scriptures, like the Jews, were sinful and incapable of changing the future or the present or of repaying God for the sins of the past. They were not able to do it. They could offer up as many as they want to. There were sacrifices, up to one billion sacrifices was made from the time the sacrificial, um, the sacrificial system was introduced until the time of Christ. Over one billion lambs were offered. Hallelujah. But this could never take away sin. On the day of atonement, over 200,000 lambs would be offered up. The priest and the Levites would stand in in pools of blood but this could not take away the sin of man this could not remove sin this could only bring them back next year again with the same guilt of the previous year because that sin was only covered but this was what God wanted them to do in faith there was a certain level of grace but this did not deal with sin at its core so no matter how much they offered no matter what they did as we read in Isaiah 1 verse 11 that the multitudes of rams and whatever could not really change the heart of man but Jesus 
Jesus came and came to forgive us of our sins. And through this forgiveness, we can have a transformed heart. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So Paul was even familiar with this whole thing about sinful humanity. In Romans 3 verse 11 and 12, it is based on the Old Testament revelation as noted in the discussion between 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 9 and 11 in chapter 2. Hallelujah. We understand that we, we look into this and we and we want to understand Paul's mindset. Let's look at what Paul what Paul was referring to when we look at Romans chapter 3 verse 11 and 12. Romans chapter 3 verse 11 and 12. Hallelujah. There is none who understands. There is one who seeks God. All have turned aside together and they have all become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave with their tongues. They are they are deceiving. The poison of asp is under their lips. So here we understand that he brings this, Paul brings this as none, no person, no person in the past could bring this, this satisfaction or this, this real satisfaction that God wanted. And only through Christ could now Christ impart to us a righteousness that would be acceptable unto the Father. And that is the righteousness that has been brought through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There is a satisfaction that only Christ could bring. Hallelujah. Nothing else in the past, in the old sacrificial system, could bring the, 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 the satisfaction that God really wanted. Therefore, Jesus had to come. Because if God received satisfaction from the Old Testament sacrifices, then Jesus was not, then Jesus' coming was not going to be one that would be anticipated or even needed. But these old sacrificial systems could not do anything hallelujah so we understand that when we look at humanity we look at every person every every person here we understand that none no person could keep god happy but then jesus came and jesus came to deal with the sin of the world hallelujah jesus came to deal with the sin of the world as i said earlier the word sin is it is a word that reveals the sin worldwide as jesus sacrifice is sufficient for all people without distinction his sacrifice is sufficient for all people and there's no distinction between this his sacrifice is for every single person that would believe every single person that would believe come on somebody the sacrifice of God is sufficient for every person that would put their faith in God. No matter if you're a murderer, adulterer, rapist, mass murderer, no matter what you have done, this sacrifice is sufficient. The sacrifice of the Old Testament was not sufficient. It would not be able to deal with sin at its root and it was not for the world. That would only be every person would bring their offering to the Lord and then they would impart that 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 sin and that guilt upon that offering and then that offering would then be a substitute for them but this substitute was not a worthy substitute as jesus christ we know that even though they did this on the day of atonement they would take and um, they would take a a, a a a goat if i'm correct and they would take one of these animals and they would then transfer the sin on that animal and then they would send that animal into the wilderness and that would be like their sin and their guilt has been removed but that was on an animal and that we know did not last because why they needed to repeat it yearly they needed to repeat this every single year john chapter first john chapter 2 and verse 2 says in him in and he himself is the 
propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for those of the whole world he is the substitute for our sin hallelujah he is the substitute of our for our sin and not only for ours but for the whole world therefore jesus death is sufficient for the sins of every single person we see this in throughout scripture we see this throughout the new testament that the bible continuously reminds us that jesus sin was sufficient for every single person just one verse just to relate to this first john chapter 4 verse 14 first john chapter 4 and we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world remember when he said in matthew chapter 1 verse 21 when matthew writes to the jewish audience and he writes there that jesus you shall call his name jesus and he shall save the people from their sins so today you're asking me pastor is the opportunity for me i have done the most hideous sins i have done things that has disqualified me completely from this earth there's some things i cannot even mention or speak about there's things i cannot even refer to but i want to let you know today that jesus came and he came to deal with sin at its root and if you come to the father no matter what you have done like that man upon the cross at the 11th hour and said to jesus lord remember me jesus did not question him about his past jesus just said to him today you shall be with me in paradise hallelujah what more peace to have in this time in which you are living knowing that your sins are forgiven and that you are washed with the blood by the blood of the lamb hallelujah there's a word they use in the english terminology which means that christ's sacrifice was efficient hallelujah only for those who who believe it was only for those who believe they christ sacrifice was enough it was for those who believe now remember not everybody's going to heaven those who put their faith in jesus christ and the finished work of the cross those are the ones who are then accepted into the fold if you do not accept jesus christ on what he has done you will go to hell hallelujah you will go to hell as john chapter 3 verse 3 3 says the last verse there speaks about when jesus came and died and god sent his only begotten son but the bible says he that does not believe the wrath of god will continue to abide upon him so that tells us that if we do not believe there is an end of judgment for us but christ has made it a, a way open for each and every one of us if we believe in jesus christ and what he has done on the cross of calvary we will be saved hallelujah now remember this verse does not teach us universal universalism that is very important we are living in a time right now where many people believe that everybody is going to heaven everybody is just happy i'm going to heaven i'm a child of god god loves me too much god will not punish me because god is love but come i tell you hallelujah god loved you so much he gave his son to die for your sin why would you want to die in what god has paid for the debt has been paid so why would you want to still go to hell after jesus christ has paid for your sin in complete settlement the debt is settled hallelujah your debt has been settled be careful of this doctrine especially in these last days many people are moving over to universalism just thinking that jesus died for the son of the world everybody is ready to go to heaven sin is no more threat sin is no more evil this is no more evil i am warning you be careful on the doctrine of universalism universalism that says everybody saved jesus christ made for everybody nobody has to repent we are all just one happy family going to heaven hallelujah therefore the bible then says jesus said in the book of matthew says you know wide is the is the road to destruction wide is the road to destruction and many finds it so why would many people find the road to destruction if many people were going to be saved 
We understand that many people, the road is narrow, people. Church, the road is narrow. The road to life is narrow. And we need to be ready. We need to walk on this road. And we need to step on this road. And we need to believe what Jesus Christ has done for us. Only then shall we be saved. Hallelujah. We need to have believe. We need to continuously believe. Because there's also not one saved, always saved. We need to continuously have faith in our hearts towards what Jesus Christ has done. And we must not be, we must be careful, especially in the days and in the hour in which we are living. Many people are finding themselves turning away from Christ, becoming apostate, becoming, following um, another pathway. Hallelujah. Following another Jesus that is not of the Bible. So be careful on these various doctrines that are around and is becoming even much more stronger and stronger in the last days. The Bible says even the elect will be deceived. So who are we? Each and every one of us needs to be, be careful. Deception is rife in these last days. Do not give your ears to anything and to everybody. You need to know the word settle it in your heart what god is saying that is the word of god it does not matter who says it it does not matter who the leader is it does not matter who's the spokesperson what reputation they have if it's not in line with god's word it is not god speaking hallelujah praise be to god praise be to god hallelujah the bible as i said the bible also teaches that if people do not believe in god's way there will be an eternal punishment there will be an eternal eternal punishment and the bible teaches us only a few will find the way of life only a few will find the way of life today we have numbers numbers continuous numbers increasing of death which the devil is a liar numbers are dying people are dying my my question today is and it might not be something that sounds sympathetic how many of those people are going to heaven how many of those people are dying in christ hallelujah today we have many people that did not get up people dying on ventilators dying in hospitals how many people has gone to heaven yes we all want to we all want to sing the 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 the, the, the good things we all want to say rest in peace and we all want everybody to rest in peace but i'm telling you if you do not receive the sacrifice or do not understand or do not accept what the lamb of god has done for you when he removed your sins you will not end up in heaven it does not matter how good you were how good things you did how much things you did for people it's not works that gets us to heaven but it's faith in jesus christ and what he has done for us hallelujah so the lamb also symbolized as we begin to understand certain symbolism of the lamb of god which symbolizes hallelujah our first step in the worship of god without the shedding of blood the priest could not approach god's presence hallelujah for jesus it is to be initially presented as the lamb of god showed that God wanted to provide a way for believers to approach him. Hallelujah. I'm excited for that. I can come before the very presence of God every day because of the way that Jesus Christ has opened up for me. Somebody step in behind the veil. Hallelujah. Step in behind the veil because of what God has done for you. Somebody say amen because God has opened up this way for you. Hallelujah. The shedding of the blood of the lamb takes care of the sin that separates people from God. It takes care of the sin that separates us from God. Therefore, hallelujah, with the separation removed, we can now approach God to worship and commune with Him. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. I can now come into the presence of the Almighty and I can now commune with God. Isaac Watts wrote this hymn. Hallelujah. Not all the blood of beast on Jewish altar slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away its stain. But Christ the heavenly lamb 
takes all our sins away, a sacrifice of nobler name and richer blood than day. Believing we rejoice to see the curse removed. We bless the Lamb with cheerful voice and sing His wondrous love. Glory be to God. When we look through the scriptures, we come to three phases of the Lamb of God from the Old to the New Testament. In the first phase, we understand that He is the Passover Lamb of Exodus 12. Hallelujah. And this was in an interpretation for us in the New Testament of the Last Supper with Jesus as the Lamb of God, dying for the forgiveness of our sins. In Isaiah 53, is known as the Suffering Lamb. Hallelujah. Isaiah the servant Jehovah is represented as the Lamb that suffers and makes atonement for the sins of the people by his sacrifice hallelujah in revelations he referred to the conquering lamb hallelujah and this was john the baptist's understanding of him jesus is seen as the lamb who leads god's people and rescues them from their enemies and rules over them in god's kingdom jesus is the lamb and is being viewed as the one who has been given power by god to take the sins of the world away hallelujah the conquering lamb of god and we see this in the book of revelation hallelujah we see this in revelation I just want to read Revelations 5. And I saw between the throne and with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. The lamb standing. When we usually stand, we are victorious. We have overcome. And we see John making reference because John is the revelator writing about Jesus in the book of Revelations as the revelator. And he then emphasizes on this in the book of revelations about jesus being the lamb the conquering lamb the one that overcomes hallelujah the second thing that we look about is john how this whole thing came about that john now recognizes jesus as the lamb of god when i read the bible some things interest me and i wanted to know how john knew that this would be the lamb of god hallelujah because we read this that john says i did not recognize him but the one who sent me said to me this is what will happen but we need to understand first but John said, I was sent to baptize. I was sent to baptize. It's a very important um, thing that I was looking at because why would John, Jesus or God send John to baptize? Jesus comes. John had this word revealed to him. And Jesus now, John standing in the water, baptizing people. Now we know as we have done in our previous teachings that the baptism that was done, people never used to baptize people. People had to baptize themselves, especially those, and it wasn't Jewish people, it was only proselytes. Those who would be converted to Judaism, they had to come and baptize and wash themselves and purify. A purification process also was to wash themselves. Hallelujah. To wash themselves we have done we have dealt with that in the previous um, teaching and if you want to connect with that just go to the previous teaching about the baptism but here we're going to go a little bit more deeper into the purpose of baptism because john says he who sent me to baptize said in this way the messiah will be manifested and then some questions started popping up into my mind and i started looking into it to understand certain things and this is some of the things that I started looking into. When John the Baptist baptized Jesus, Jesus and John were picturing the baptism. John was picturing the baptism of Jesus that would endure on the cross and when he would die as the sacrificial lamb of God. Hallelujah. Therefore, we look at Matthew chapter 3 verse 15, something that intrigued me. Because then I wanted to know why did Jesus say that when I be baptized, I will fulfill unrighteousness. In my study, I discovered a few things that I would like to just 
make known to you why Jesus got baptized. These are some of the reasons why Jesus got baptized. Remember Jesus said it was to fulfill all righteousness and it was to do what God wants us or requires. So Jesus fulfilled all righteousness and is to do what God wants, wants or requires from us. It, it is in the reference of the book of Isaiah 53 verse 11 and 12 in which the righteous suffering servant is numbered with the transgressors and justifies many by bearing their sins. Although Jesus did not need repentance, Israel whom he was a type of and represented did need it. For Jesus to be baptized showed that he yielded to God's will by carrying out his role as the suffering servant. Jesus did not need to repent, but he shows his solidarity with the people of Israel and identifies himself with the national movement of repentance, of which one ethical expression was baptism. Jesus put himself alongside sinners and shows that he is ready to assume the redemptive work of taking the load of their sins. Now let's look at something quickly in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there's a strong um, um, comparison between God's righteousness and saving acts. And now Jesus is relating righteousness to salvation, which Jesus will effect by standing in the place of sinners as symbolized by his submitting to the baptism that sinners receive. That's why he said to John, this will fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness was fulfilled in a sense that this was the way God wanted Jesus to be set apart and consecrated to his messianic ministry to which he was now devoting himself, his next three and a half years of ministry. But the Father made it clear to John just who Jesus is by sending the Spirit like a dove to light on him and what a beautiful picture of the Trinity is at the baptism, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because the Father says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus is being baptized. The Holy Spirit is descending. We see a work of the Trinity. And the next point that I conclude with is the sign. The sign. The one in whom you see the dove descend. This is the one you will know it is he. He is the chosen servant as John ends this. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah 42 verse 1, look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring justice to the nations. Isaiah 42 verse 1. And so we understand when, when John begins to look into this, we ask ourselves questions like why? Hallelujah. Isaiah 61 verse one says, the Spirit of the Lord, Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison doors to them that are bound. Hallelujah. So the Bible then says, John, the Bible says, the Lord, the, 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 the Lord that sent John said to John, the one on whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining. There was now a difference between the two here. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon man, and the Spirit would now, and the Spirit would now then begin to um, um, come temporarily and then move, come and go, come and go. But yet the Bible said to John, the one in whom you see the Spirit remain, because he will also be the baptizer in the Spirit. The one in whom you see the Spirit remain is the one who will also be the baptizer in the Spirit. So John recognized him because, hallelujah, he would be known through, you would, you would not recognize him. Because remember, Jesus could not be known through, through natural understanding. John had to see Jesus through revelation, had to be known through 
through revelation. Therefore, for many of us, we need to understand Jesus in revelation. When we see the witnesses of the following disciples, we understand that they testified from the place of revelation. It wasn't a place from, from knowledge. Because come I tell you something, what you do not have revealed to you, it's easy to walk away from them what you have revealed to you. Hallelujah. A revelation is something that grounds you. When you do not have revelation of Jesus Christ and what he has done for your life, it's easy for you to become flimsy in your walk or something unstable in your walk with God. But you need to pray. Therefore, Paul says, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So John now receives the spirit of revelation. We see this in the book of, we see this in the gospels where the Bible says that when when Jesus asked the disciples, who does man say that I am? And some of them said, some of them say, you Elijah, Jeremiah, you are one of the prophets. But then Peter steps up and says, but you are the Christ. And then Jesus said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but the, the, the spirit, hallelujah, my father which is in heaven has made it known unto you. And so that is exciting about Jesus Christ, hallelujah. This is exciting about John. It was not a, a revelation just of something that just came. And then I looked at it and I asked myself some more questions. Is this somewhere in the Gospels that this was made known to John? Because remember now John's birth was miraculous. We did it in the in the previous teaching. John's baptism is miraculous. John John knew, I'm sure his father, they had to introduce him to his purpose. Because remember John was a supernatural child and this was an introduction then of who John would be. But we know John in all his humility never looked for the glory and the fame of man. John never looked to be promoted by man. Never looked to be looked up by, lifted up by man and I pray that this is our desire because this is a true sign of humility this is a sign of humility because John throughout the times of John's witness John is always referring to Christ as the main focus hallelujah again he mentions in this part that he's not worthy he's not worthy he's not worthy and that is how we should feel every time our unworthiness continuously puts us on dependence in God the moment you feel you are so worthy is the time that pride can creep in and is the time when you become a person that that focus is ungodly and unholy. Hallelujah. We need to have our dependence continually upon God. I'm coming to the close of this message. Hallelujah. And so we pray that this revelation, and, and so the Bible says, the Bible teaches us something amazing. And this is how it came to the Old Testament because John was the last Old Testament prophet. Remember, John came after 400 years of silence. John now is the last Old Testament prophet. Hallelujah. The Old Testament type of prophet. And the Bible teaches are something amazing because now the bible says in the book of luke chapter 3 verse 2 and 3 amos and caiphas were the high priest at this time a message from god came to john son of zechariah who was living in the wilderness then john went from place to place now listen to this the word of god came to the son of zechariah who was living in the wilderness so something tells me that because John said, the one who sent me said unto me. So this tells me that the word of the Lord came to John and this word prepped John for the coming of the Messiah. Hallelujah. I mean, this guy had the most, I mean, those in the Old Testament, I mean, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus coming 700 years before he came. John is in the moment. John could have had the most arrogance because he was the one that is now in the moment, in the moment of many prophecies being fulfilled and he is living in the moment. He is seeing the one that everybody was saying would come he is the elijah but does not see himself as the elijah and we dealt many a time we dealt with the 
it in depth also in the last thing. But as we begin to look into this, John says, the Bible says the word of God came to him. Now we know in the Old Testament, the Bible says to the prophets and the word of the Lord came and the word of the Lord came and the word of the Lord came. But Hebrew says now in the Old Testament, it came through the prophets, but now it has come unto us through the son of God. Hallelujah. It has come through us through the son. Oh, Jesus, we praise you today. We praise you today. Hallelujah. So we understand that as we see this now and we come to the conclusion of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why he is baptized in the spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give eternal life. Baptism signifies an abundant supply of that life. So here it indicates the gift of a new life in God, the making possible to man the limitless spiritual resources of God through the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every single spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul even says about spirit, when he speaks about the supply of heaven, he says, My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So we understand that the gift of the Spirit meant the beginning of the divine life and salvation. Jesus causes men to be born again and this happens through the being born again is the regeneration now that takes place in our life. Hallelujah. And so he gives us eternal life. He's the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He's the one who causes the Holy Spirit to initiate us into faith if we need to translate it in that way. So the Holy Spirit initiates us into faith. Because remember the Bible says without the Spirit we are not His. Without God's Spirit, we are not His. The Spirit is a seal on us that prepares us for future redemption, that, that, that assures us of future redemption, not prepares, assures us. And so we now receive this Holy Spirit because He is the baptizer of the Spirit. John kept saying He's greater and He will be the one who will baptize. Hallelujah. John's witness that this is the chosen one of God, the Son of God, because that is what he was. He was the chosen one. Translations then says, like the NLT says, he's the chosen one. John says the Son of God. But we know that because of the book of John chapter 20 verse 30 and 31, this is what um, the purpose of the book was written is that the Son of God will be made known and those who believe will be saved and receive eternal life. Hallelujah. So believers are limited in the sense that we are sons of God. What's the difference between a believer being a son of God and Jesus being a son of God? Just in short, believers are in a limited sense sons of God. But Jesus is uniquely the son of God since he shares the same essence and nature of the father. There will be never a birth like Jesus Christ again. No, no other person will be born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was begotten of the father, the only one. His birth is unique. And that is what Jesus was. As I conclude today at the altar call, I would like to make an altar call today. And my altar call today is that many people today are struggling and being crushed. Hallelujah. By the burden of guilt because of what you did in the past. But Christ, the Lamb of God, has taken our sins, the sin of the whole world. And he says to us today, son and daughter, if you only believe your sins, your sins has already been dealt with. But if you believe what I've done for you, you will then experience this gift of grace. Every sin and lawless act, according to Hebrews 10 verse 17, will be remembered no more. I thank God my sins are remembered no more in the eyes of God. Finally, there's a, finally we see this in the ministry of the Lamb. The sins of the world 
without any exception. Every kind of sin and evil is conquered. There is no sin too hideous, no wickedness too terrible, no virtual failure too often repeated that cannot be taken away by Christ, our heavenly land. Today I pray that this message was a revelation to you and that God will now transform your life and that you will be a totally new creature in Christ Jesus. I pray today that we understand and we welcome and receive the Lamb of God into our lives. We receive it because at the end, He is the conquering Lamb. When we look at the book of Revelation and through many scriptures in the Revelation, how He is the conquering Lamb, the Lamb of God that takes the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. See the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. God bless you. And may you send this message and forward it to as many people as you can. May God bless you and richly encourage you during this time. Remember your strength only comes from the Lord. It does not come from anybody else, but from the Lord. Remain faithful, remain unmovable in the things of the Lord. May God richly bless you. Thank you today for joining us on our celebration service this morning. I'm Pastor Ashwin, in Jesus' name, amen.